Every 40 seconds, someone in the United States has a stroke. So what is going on inside the brain of a stroke survivor? And this is Chick to Chick. There's been a lot of conversation in Pennsylvania surrounding a certain person. That would be John Fetterman. And that's because he had a stroke in May. We didn't really hear from him much until the debate happened not too long ago in November. And it made everybody think, what is really going on since he had his stroke? Because he just didn't sound good at all. Yeah. So he had the stroke and his own words, he said this stroke almost killed killed him. him. So. He goes on and he does this debate and everybody saw the debate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he started it by saying good night instead of good evening. Uh, a lot of his words were jumbled. It was, was hard. Repetitive, repetitive. He was hard. It was hard for him to yeah. complete a sentence. He had to read the question off the teleprompter. And a lot of people at that point were saying, this guy's done. Yeah. He's not going to win. He is not fit to serve office. He cannot perform the duties of being a U.S. senator, but his supporters were all saying, wait a minute here. This dude is really brave Mm -hmm. to do what he did. Well, he went on to win the election and he is now our newly elected U.S. senator to represent Pennsylvania and D.C. Yeah. I think a lot of people were also concerned as to is this a lot of stress? What is really going on? And is this even healthy for this man? So we thought this would be a good time to have this podcast to really talk about what's going on with a stroke as it pertains to Fetterman. But for anyone who out there has really experienced this themselves or in their families. Which brings us to our guest today, Deb Church. She is a medical speech pathologist. Deborah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. First of all, what is a medical speech pathologist? You're welcome. I'm a hospital speech pathologist. I work with rehab of stroke patients. And what does it entail when you're working with these patients? In other words, what are you finding that is happening? We just mentioned how Fetterman had a hard time communicating. Um, He was repetitive. These types of issues I've even seen with friends and family that have had strokes. So what are you seeing when you're in there and in rehab with your folks? Mm -hmm. Well, we're seeing the, the obvious effects, sometimes obvious, sometimes hardly noticeable effects of brain injury. So that we know that there has been injured areas of the brain. And with aphasia, we know that it's typically in the left hemisphere, the temporal parietal lobes, but that there is recovery, thankfully, from such injury. And that occurs by other areas of the brain, normally in the corresponding areas, the opposite regions, hemisphere of the brain, taking over the functions and forming new pathways. This is how recovery occurs. When they do studies like of the effects of therapy, speech therapy, they show the opposite hemisphere lighting up because there are functions now working there that wouldn't normally be be taking over these functions, reading, thinking, listening, talking, all of those functions. So it is very encouraging to know that therapy can help. It can be intensive at first when it's most needed and then taper off in frequency and then result in testing at three, six, nine, 12 months intervals and beyond because progress continues. Because that's the good news is that 
it sometimes takes a longer time for recovery from aphasia, which is a chronic condition. So you talked about the recovery, but let's take a step back. What actually happens in the brain when somebody is having a stroke? <laughs> okay. Well, the brain cells require a constant supply of oxygen and nutrients, which are cut off by either a clot or by a bleed into the brain or into the surrounding area between the skull and the brain. And so they are weakened or injured and I, they can die as well. Uh, the injury is something that can be improved through therapy. And that is the role of a speech pathologist. It's very important to intervene early on because a patient can, can develop a very negative self-perception. They see it in the face of their significant other who shows alarm and concern at what they're hearing and sometimes disgust. And they also see it in the faces of the listeners who look puzzled whenever there's a miscommunication. So the better that they can be trained or exercise their brain, let's talk about it in terms of exercise for the brain, that's what speech therapy is. It exercises those pathways, creates new pathways and lighting up of the opposite hemisphere, which is undamaged. You know, you talk about all this in such a clinical sense. What, what I'm most concerned about, as I watched this man, I really felt bad for him. I, I did. I felt like he was very challenged in that setting. It had to have been incredibly stressful. So I worry about those outside influences as you're trying to heal. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. talk to us about that. I mean, when in, in his case, in John Fetterman's case, he is now Senator Fetterman and he has a workload. What could that be like for mm -hmm. what he's trying to do to heal his brain? Mm -hmm. Well, people with strokes feel and report a lot less energy than they had before. But in truth, they have the same amount of energy, but they are using so much more to perform the functions they used to do, like walking or talking or whatever. And because of that, talking takes, when talking, excuse me, is a lot harder to do, the person tries to be on alert and stay on alert for extended periods of time. And that's very, very difficult. They will do better if they have some downtime to be able to to rest, but because it is more difficult, they make mistakes and they hear what we hear, they hear their blunders and that contributes to a negative self-perception. And it is very important for us to be patient as they need to be patient with themselves. The person with aphasia is their own worst critic they're always flinching when they hear the same things that we hear. Uh, they need us to be patient so they can be patient. You watched the debate. Yes. Um, what did you think when you watched the debate? And yes. were you surprised to see mm -hmm. him perform that way? Mm -hmm. I was. I, I know that the later in the day it is for someone that it is harder for them to meet the communication demands. Really, it is best uh, when recovering from aphasia in that recovery period, not to have such demands placed on you. It, it provides more stress to be blunt. Um, it, it's stressful to be put on display later in the day. And also 
it is more helpful to take your time in formulating what you want to say. So when there are time constraints, that definitely works against the person with aphasia. In the same way, people who are talking to someone with aphasia should talk less fast. It sets more demands on that person to keep up that same pace. And when you're told that you have just a certain amount of time to form your ideas, it is a stressor and it results in a less positive speaking performance. So you were talking, I'm sorry, you were talking about um, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, these kind of benchmarks. Mm -hmm. So we are, we at getting, we're about six months out, I believe from, from Mm -hmm. his stroke. Um, So what should we be looking at? And I understand everybody's different and, you know, we don't even have to just look at Fetterman, but someone who's six months, nine months out from having had um, a stroke that was pretty debilitating. What what could that be like? Well, the lasting or or long-term effects of a stroke are very impossible to predict, Mm -hmm. as you can imagine. Many For aphasia, speaking about aphasia, uh, a very frequent lasting effect is lack of spontaneity, being able to think on the spot. um, And that is also because of the time constraints. I think that because I, I tried to mention that extended therapy is very important, it, it never really has to end. It can be reduced to once a month, but it needs to take place. I would imagine that more concentration of energy in the areas of participating in therapy, exercising that brain are very, very important. As I mentioned, you can switch from a therapy focus on something in auditory processing to reading, to writing, to verbal expression. It's it's all over the place. So there's many areas that need to be addressed yet, I feel. And and that's that's frequently the case. It's it's not unusual. It just takes time. It does take time. And, you know, we know people who had a stroke who recovered and who are fine. And yet we know Mm -hmm. another woman who we brought on the podcast eight years ago. She had a Mm -hmm. stroke and she Mm -hmm. still is not able to work. Um, She's on disability. She was in the financial world. She says she has a hard time with numbers and thinking on your on her feet, as you Mm -hmm. had mentioned. So Mm -hmm. when you talk about these things and you talk about someone like John Fetterman, who's about to go into a very stressful job, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of pressure, uh, perhaps being hours and hours and hours in debates in the Senate chamber. Mm -hmm. Um, Is he going to be able to do all of these things? And how Mm -hmm. are these other factors going Mm -hmm. to affect his recovery? Mm -hmm. Well, there are some workplace considerations. And sometimes it is better to balance more things that can be handled through emails and text messages and and written language than by verbal and preparation for those kinds of things where there would be rapid exchange of ideas. But it is quite possible. And, And people do this that are in the teaching profession that have strokes and lawyers and and any any profession we've had. And, you know, the best thing is having somebody call you later after they've been discharged from therapy or being given a break just to 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 
just get burnt out and, and say enough is enough. Let's take a little break for them to call and say, it's taken this amount of time, but in six months, I finally have that sense of normalcy. Everything is coming back to me. I, um, I'm getting better at substituting words when I anticipate a word that's going to be too lengthy or complex. People do get quite excellent at using these strategies. It's not really a relearning memory kind of thing like they've lost the words. The words are in there, but there's a veil that's come in front of them and they can't quite hear themselves saying the words they went to say in advance or they can't see the words that some of us are more visually oriented and we can see the word. There can be an eruption in the letter to sound connection so that they aren't able to, to read or write as well. It just depends on the individual. I'm not sure of his abilities. So the testing is, is just of paramount importance and to get good speech therapy and continue that as long as needed. This is great information. I think it's good that our listeners could hear about this. And certainly outside of Senator Fennerman, we know a lot of people have had to um, you know, work through having strokes. Thank you so much for providing You're this so information welcome. today. Thank you. It's a process. You know, it yeah, really it is a process. I think that someone who has had a stroke, it's also going to affect their confidence. Absolutely. I mean, this is tough and everybody is different um, how they recover from a stroke, what the side effects, the long-term side yeah. effects, everybody is different. But we just thought we wanted to add some perspective mm -hmm. because everybody Everybody <laughs> watch the debate and yes. everybody's talking about yeah, it. Exactly. Well, we appreciate you being with us today. We hope you'll head over to our YouTube page, like and subscribe until we are back to chirp about another topic.